0: So I want you to think about this morning why it is that people don't pray. Or maybe why people don't pray more than they do. Probably, probably be better to say why don't you pray more than you do or better than you do. I think there are a lot of reasons that people would throw out to say this is why I don't pray. I mean, some would say, well, it's just not worth the effort because it really doesn't change that much. Others might say, well, I've tried it and it doesn't really help. Still others, I think, might say, you know what, I I don't understand prayer. I don't know how it would work or why it would make a difference, so I don't pray because I don't really understand it. Those who have, Engage prayer a little more might say, you know what, I really don't feel like God hears me. He's distant, and no matter how loud I shout, doesn't make it past the ceiling. I'm sure some uh, of us would have a theological reason. We would probably, you know, change the tone of our voice and say, well, God is omniscient. And he already knows what I will ask. So why should I ask? There are a lot of reasons why people don't pray. And I don't think those really are the reasons that apply to most of us. If I was to think about what is it really that causes us to hold back, I would say the majority of us uh, fit in one of uh, two places First, simply, we don't really believe we need to pray. Life is good enough, so we don't pray. Or we've got things pretty well together, thank you very much. There's one thing or the other about our lives that is satisfactory enough. Maybe if we just worked a little harder, we'd be fine, but either way, we're going to just let it ride and not bring it before the Lord. I think that is more or less the American way. And we avoid prayer because we don't really believe we need it. I think the other thing that happens if, we were to be really honest, is that we think that God is stingy, that God is somehow way, he's going to hold back, he's going to mete out very tiny doses of grace if we beg him, but he really isn't prone to be generous with us. And we get that because some of us have prayed already and we don't see answers to prayer and so we struggle to get past that. Now I ask the question, why don't people pray? And I have to admit that someone said it's really easy to make people feel guilty about their prayer life. And uh, to that end, I apologize for um, pushing it early. But we're going to look at the words of Jesus about prayer from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. So I want you to take your Bibles and we'll read that together. And I want you to notice, though, that there is no guilt. There is absolutely no guilt here. So if you feel guilt about prayer, you're feeling something that Jesus does not even acknowledge here when he talks about prayer. All that you'll find in Matthew chapter 7 is this beautiful, open, standing invitation to come to the Lord with your requests. So let's read Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Ask and it will be given you. Seek. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you? If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? From Jesus' perspective, the goodness and the generosity of God continuously invite us to pray. We are ushered in to the opportunity to bring before the creator of the universe the very things that we need and desire. Because that Creator, God is also your Father, and He is good and generous all of the time. So don't be stingy with your prayers because you underestimate the generosity of God. So here the words of Jesus are very simple, aren't they? Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. These are commands that Jesus gives uh, every person who would be part of his kingdom. The command from the king is to ask and seek and knock. And how do you know that something is important to somebody? Think about the people in your life and you want to figure them out, and you want to see what is important to them, one of the easiest ways that you would figure that out is to listen to what topics they return to and talk about over and over and over. For some people, it's their job. For some people, it's their family. For some people, it's their favorite uh, sports team. So if you were to take a guess at what's important to Jesus, you would probably do well to take note of what he talks about over and over and over. And so just to orient us, we are, we are reading in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' uh, introduction to his ministry and his kingdom. And uh, we are 88 verses in. How's that? Of those 88 verses, 10 of them already have been spent directly talking about prayer. And now he's just given us five more. So about 16% of his sermon, uh, his introduction to kingdom life, is about prayer. And so somehow, it doesn't just warrant mentioning once, it doesn't just uh, warrant him throwing it away and talking about it just, Uh, And letting it go, he brings it up over and over and over. And as we read through the book of Matthew to come, we'll see that he practices it over and over and over. And so what is it then that prompts one more encouragement by Jesus for his kingdom followers to pray? Why does he ask us that? Why the invitation? And I think very simply, if we take seriously the themes that are here and what it means for us to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and recognize Jesus as our king, then it'll be obvious that to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is not a natural way to live. So it must be supernatural. And if we're going to live a supernatural life, we're going to need supernatural help. And so ask and seek and knock. After all, the opening kingdom idea in this sermon, if you were to, to, to pay attention to it, is very simple, and I hope, I hope you remember it blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are the poor in spirit by definition if you are poor in spirit you don't have resources in the spirit you are spiritually poor And so, by definition, to become, to be part of the kingdom is to recognize, I don't have what it takes to be part of the kingdom. That's the opening sentence. You can't do what you're asked to do in order to live in Christ's kingdom. And as you think about that, you're going to say, yeah, that's really true. I can't do this. This is too too hard for me. There are days when I don't even like it. Because you see, as you progress through this sermon, as you progress through this kingdom manifesto that Jesus is giving us, you realize that you're prone, perhaps, to please people. When he says, don't do your alms before people or your prayers before people. You recognize there's this deep sort of longing that somebody would notice you? Or maybe as Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you, and he he, he says this several times throughout the sermon, that that there is this heart-focused demand of the law that Jesus brings up. You've heard it said, don't murder, but I want to tell you, don't even be angry. You realize, that's too much for me. I was angry three times before I even got to church this morning." You read through the sermon and you realize the stability not to be anxious about tomorrow just completely escapes you, no matter how hard you try. Maybe if you were to review the the verses in chapter 7 we looked at last week, you'd realize that the wisdom necessary. Not to judge, yet to be discerning. That's just beyond you. It's beyond me. And so if you do, or just a brief assessment of the 80 or so verses so far, you realize maybe I do need some spiritual resources that I don't already possess. And so Jesus invites me, He invites you to pray. I love this because the nature of this invitation is, uni- is as unique as it is memorable. Uh, we had a we had a challenge come up in our life group uh, last week to memorize a Bible verse, to memorize something from God's word. Um, in this next week, to work on it and report back. Okay, I, I hope people don't skip tonight because of that, but. Um, even if you did have a life group meeting tonight and had to show a verse you were memorizing, this would be a good one. Because it's really, really easy, isn't it? Ask, and it'll be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Period. We're done. That's all. Get this! Right? Jesus gave it to us this way because it's memorable. There are three commands. Ask, seek, knock. They stack nicely on top of one another Really, to give us a singular uh, command, a singular invitation, Jesus says, Come, come, come. Don't let anything stop you, but come. I want to suggest that this is first and foremost a relational invitation that this is an invitation for you to come pursue God. Ask. Ask Him. If you're not convinced He heard you, seek Him. If for some reason you don't feel like you find Him, knock at whatever it is between Him and you and get there, but pursue Him. One of the things that things that happens in our home is that a lot of times Marsh will be in the other room and she'll start talking to me now, I don't know if that happens to you but it's I, I, I mean we've been married a long time and I still don't know what to do with this with this because uh, occasionally I'll hear this voice out of the other room and I think do I ignore this? do I shout back? what do I do? And I think that's a little bit how he, what he has in view here. Ask. Well, and, and if for some reason the person's in the other room, seek them. Go find them and talk to them. And if for some reason they're in a room with the door closed, knock. But go. Make this conversation happen. That is what he's saying here. Thomas Watson said this way, he said, God may hear prayer when he does not answer, and he may lend us his ear when he does not show his face. And so Jesus gives us the encouragement to pursue him whether or not you recognize that he's right beside you. The second thing that I ha- we have to admit here as we look at this text It's so simple and remarkable that Jesus gives us an unqualified promise of success. I'm going to suggest to you that there's probably nowhere else in your entire life where you have an unqualified promise of success anywhere at anything. Think about it. Ask. And you will receive seek and you'll find not going to be opened and jesus repeats it twice he really means it i'm just going to say and this makes me nervous as a preacher yeah i'm up here what am i going to say jesus gives you an unqualified promise of success for one thing, and that is prayer. And for my part, I want to qualify it. I'm just going to say, I want to put the qualifier on it in lots of different ways. Because I I don't want you to be disappointed. So, I want you to be careful what you ask for. Just to make really sure that, you know, it's something God wants to give you. I want to say, oh, how about if you don't ask for too much? You know, keep your requests small. That way, it, you know, God could do that for you and He'd still be able to do it for somebody else too and he'd, just all these little small requests would be fine with Him. I'm tempted to say, you know, God will answer most of your prayers or some of your prayers, but you really can't expect God to answer every time you ask. I mean, I just want, I just want to qualify it. And I, my guess is that most of us read this and we think, well, surely he doesn't mean that. And I have to say that That temptation to qualify this and to put parameters around it and make it work some other way is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is inviting us to here. Shame on me as a preacher for wanting to qualify it, right? Because Jesus doesn't. He just says, venture it. Ask. Give it a go. Bring it up. Talk to God about it. And there is such a rhythm, ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock, that Jesus is in effect saying, I dare you to try prayer out. I dare you to ask and trust God to be good and generous toward you. want you to also notice here that when he says ask and seek and knock and the one who asks and the one who seeks and the one who knocks what he has there is an emphasis on the person doing the asking the emphasis on the person so that he's inviting you to be the one inviting you to be the person who asks, the person who seeks, the person who knocks. So that it isn't just a one-time, you know, try it out and see if you hit anything. This is an invitation to do it over and over and over until you become the kind of person who prays. You become the kind of person who asks and who pursues God and seeks and knocks. Certainly, don't just let it go. I think there have been some who have tried to, to parse this more than is warranted and um, make it uh, suggest things that it aren't necessarily there. For instance, you'll notice, right, how convenient it is that there, the first word is ask with an A. The second is seek with an S. The third is knock with a K. You put those together... And you get asked. How easy is that to remember? Well, it's, I don't think Jesus had that in mind at all, since he didn't give it to us in English. But nonetheless, he did make it simple. And he really did believe that God will respond to the person who asks and seeks and knocks. And then the other thing that I think we have to think about here is that I believe the majority of the people that that were listening to Jesus in this sermon probably did pray. Many of them, I'm sure, were good good Jews. And they probably had a series of well-worn prayers that they did daily at certain times during the day. Their identity, in fact, was probably tied up in belonging to the people of God. And so I suspect that this is part of the equation that Jesus is giving us here. That He's inviting His listeners, you and me included, beyond a mere religious practice. Beyond formality or habit or routine. But again, He's calling us into a relationship with the living God in order that we might be able to sustain this supernatural kingdom lifestyle. If you think about it, really, I have to say that God wants a relationship. He wants you to ask, seek, and knock. He doesn't give, he didn't put this out there. He doesn't put this out there because God needs information. Like, what's going on in your life today? God knows that. He doesn't need a reminder for you to be the one that functions as his daily calendar, his daily r- reminder on his calendar. Like, oh, that's right. It's Time for me to do something with Scott here today. He wants you. That's what this asking, seeking, and knocking is about, is to pursue God. And that is so much the case that he turns then to a family illustration in order to talk about this. And he goes from the commands of ask, seek, knock to the comparison with the Heavenly Father and parents. I mean, look look at verse 9. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Wow. I mean, that, that's pretty far out there, really. I mean, I've been, I, I've been tempted, I have to admit, to play some jokes on my kids. They ask me something, I'll say, well, that, I'm going to teach you. Don't ask so much. And give them something they didn't ask for, like, whoa, I'm not going to ask Dad for anything anymore. And I think Jesus is sort of poking at that and, you know, giving people a story that they'll sort of enjoy. Yeah, I mean, surprise! But really, he just takes this familiar situation and says, if parents will do this for their kids, how much more? Will God do it for you? And really, it's a, it's a situation where the child asks for bread and he's not going to get a stone or ask for a fish. He's not going to get a serpent. There, God is not going to play the joke. He's not going to do something harmful for you when you ask for something good. He's not... A cosmic joker. He's not capricious. He's not going to do anything that would harm his children. Ask for something good because he desires to give good to his children. And this really is the thing that's a struggle. And I'm just going to say it's a struggle for me. It's been part of the, the journey that I've had to walk over the years is to come to grips with the fact that God does give good things even when I don't always see it. One of the verses that says as much, it was really helpful to me at one particular point in my life, was Psalm 84, verse 11. And it says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing." Does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is not stingy. He is not up there saying, you're doing pretty well, but I don't, I'm not going to give it to you. Rather, he is generous and he gives his children who ask him, he gives good things. His argument here is from the lesser to the greater. The lesser being parents who won't give something harmful to their children, even though they're evil, how much more, he says, from the lesser to the greater. Which is, any time Jesus does that, and he does it frequently, you should pay special attention. There's a pastor centuries ago that made this uh, a, a similar, lesser to greater argument from this text for prayer, and he said this, which I think is just really beautiful. He said, God also grants some things to men that they do not pray for. Some things, nay, the greatest are granted to those who do not pray. No prayer had any influence in your election, and our prayers did not contribute to the work of redemption. These fountains were dug without the help of any. The sweetest streams of love flow freely. Pardon, regeneration, justification, adoption, reconciliation are bestowed on those who cannot or will not pray for them. Much precious fruit falls in our laps before we shake the tree by prayer. If the Lord is found when we seek not, opens when we knock not, answers when we call not, how much more will He open and answer when we knock and call, if the greatest is given before we have hearts to pray, how confident may we be that prayer can obtain the lesser things? See, parents may not give good things to their children because they're evil or unkind, and that's, that's kind of the thing that Jesus points out. There are bad parents and abusive parents. Parents may not give uh, their children good things because they're impatient and the kid asks too much and too often, Can I, can I, can I, can I? Who hasn't had that experience with children? Sometimes parents don't give children good things because the parents themselves are needy. Stories abound of parents who have never matured but are really just children themselves. And Then parents sometimes don't give children good things because they don't have anything to give. The poverty experienced by the parents means they don't have the resources to give to the children who are asking a good thing. And none of these reasons apply to God. And that is the point that Jesus is making. You can ask, and he will welcome your request. Ask Jesus. Ask the Lord for what you want and need, and he welcomes your request. There really will never be a time when God says, "Uh uh-uh, stop asking. I'm so tired of hearing from you. In fact, the brother of Jesus said it this way in the opening to his letter. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God gives generously to all without reproach. In other words, without telling you, stop asking. Without telling you, you're not asking right. You're doing it wrong. He doesn't do that. And then Jesus said, how much more will your Father who is in heaven? You've heard that language before, haven't you? And if you haven't, go ahead and scroll up the page a little bit, to chapter 6, where he gives us the Lord's Prayer. This This is the relationship that you have with God Almighty. He is your Father in heaven. And not only do you ask amazing things of him, hallowed be your name, your uh, will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but also, you ask, give us this day our daily bread to your Father who is in heaven. See, the more we think about this, the more it does come down to really one thing for, for most of us. Tom Wright suggests that He said, for most of us, the problem is not that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we are not eager enough to ask for the right things. And so, I want you not to underestimate the generosity and the goodness of God, but rather to trust Him for it. Because as Thomas Watson said, he said, to pray in faith, consider that there is such bountifulness in God that He often exceeds the prayers of His people. For us not to ask is for us to underestimate who God is. Underestimate His generosity, His goodness, His love for us. His willingness to hear from people who won't ask it quite right. In fact, another author says that that's the problem in this text. What is fundamentally at stake is our picture of God. God must not be thought of as a reluctant stranger who can be cajoled or bullied into bestowing his gifts or as a malicious tyrant who takes vicious glee in the tricks that he plays. He must not be thought of even as an indulgent grandfather who provides everything that is requested of him. Instead, he is the Heavenly Father, the God of the kingdom who graciously and willingly bestows the good gifts of the kingdom in answer to prayer. And so, I want to invite you again to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock. And I suppose if you are thinking very critically about this, you might, it might be tempting to think that Jesus himself disproves this whole message. Because there, before he was crucified in the garden, he prayed, let this cup pass from me. And we know it didn't. And so there we go. Aha! There's the exception. Aha! Right? But the truth is that Jesus does confirm this message. Because you do recall how he completed his prayer by saying, not my will, but yours be done. And God's will was done. And it is because God's will was done and because that cup did not pass from him that in fact he does confirm this message in a meaningful and inescapable way. In the book of Romans chapter 8 it makes the confirmation clear. Talking about God it says He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? There's God's standard. He didn't withhold the greatest, most expensive thing that he could possibly give you, why would he withhold a lesser thing? Why would he say, yes, I'll give you Jesus, but not give you this other thing? And so, will you pray? Will you ask and seek and knock? And Will you be the person Jesus invites you to be, here as one who prays. We are, we are trying as a church to help one another with this. Um, in 2022, we're, we're calling it our, our kingdom initiative, where if you are, p- are part of it and have signed up for it already, you would have received this morning uh, just an image that you can put on your phone to remind you to pray, and to use that as a, a screensaver or a lock screen, and just have a prayer at the ready throughout the day to pray for. Um, there are other things that will come to remind you to pray, because in January, especially as we get this year started, we're uh, we're trying to help each other pray more and better and do what Jesus says here. And so if you're part of it, you'll get something every day. If you ha- If you're not part of it and would like to sign up there's a button on the Sunday Hub that says Kingdom Initiative and you can go there and it will help you uh, just follow the the, the lead there and it will help you sign up for the Kingdom Initiative and you'll receive reminders daily uh, about prayer throughout the month of January. But we do that because we do take seriously this unqualified promise of Jesus that if you ask, you'll receive. And if you seek, you will find, and if you knock, it will be open to you. So let's be people who ask and seek and knock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, (laughs) almost anything I pray for right now will be inadequate compared to the glory and the beauty of the promise that you give um, to invite us to come. Would you just help us, not just this morning when we're thinking about it, but other times throughout the week when we're not thinking about it, to be people who come and who ask and who knock, who seek? Father, we want you. Uh, We want more of you. We want you to help us live as citizens of the kingdom when it otherwise is too hard for us. So would you be gracious to us and help us Help us come to you. We ask this because Jesus told us we could. Amen.